listening to First Church Charlotte. Hello everyone, my name is Nathan. It is my privilege to be the lead pastor of First Church Charlotte. You are watching our weekly Bible growth study and I want to, before I dive into that, make you aware of a series that we're going to have right here for our weekly Bible growth. And we are using a book that was recently republished. This book was discovered, so to speak, by uh, my uncle Bernard Elms um, and working with my father, David Elms. Uh, they resurrected, if you will, this book written by Brother Gray in the 60s. Uh, Pastor Gray <clears throat> uh, founded Revival Tabernacle, now known as The Anchor, in San Diego, San Diego, California, and that is the church that all of the Elms family is from. Um, and so he was a brilliant man and he wrote a book um, that we are he, his original title was The Mystery of Israel's Flag. It was re-released recently. I have a copy here called The Banner Above, How Israel's Flag Reveals God. And the starting starting in two weeks, so um, not next Wednesday night, but two Wednesday nights from now, uh, we will start a, a Bible growth uh, time together where we look at how God builds a people. And we will go through this book. There will be a link that you can enter in Amazon and buy this book. It's, we priced it as cheap as they would let us. There's no profit in this book. Um, it is uh, available there. Also, if you don't have an Amazon account, but you would like to um, reach out to the church, you can let us know. Uh, you can send a uh, an email to pastor at firstchurchclt.com and we will uh, order for you. If you can't afford a book, but you would make a commitment to read it, I will buy one for you at no charge. It's not a lot of money. I'm not doing anything great for you, <laughs> but uh, it's an amazing book. How God Builds a People. That's not what we're talking about right now. What we are talking about right now is uh, the subject of speaking in tongues as the Holy Spirit gives you give you utterance. So our theme scripture is 1 Corinthians 14 and 18. And this is the Apostle Paul writing to a very young church. They are making a lot of mistakes in the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul is trying to help them understand uh, how it is helpful and how the misuse of it is harmful. And he writes this, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. I love that. Um, not not bragging on myself here, but I'm just want to thank God. It's like a, it's like where you give yourself a, a roundabout compliment, you know. Uh, one, thing, it's like it's like my little girl said to me here recently. You know what I like about me is I can find something good about anything, and she's right. She's one of the most positive child I've ever I've ever spent time around. Uh, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. Why would Paul? Um, as it were, uh, say that, you know, he, first of all, he's highly emotionally intel intelligent. He's not, uh, you know, confused about how it will read, but he's going to correct them in the arena of spiritual gifts. And he is going to specifically correct them and more importantly, limit them uh, in the use of spiritual gifts, particularly tongues uh, in their gatherings. Um, and before he does that, he's going to say, look, guys, I'm not against speaking in tongues. I 
think I do it more than anybody. That's the context for the scripture. Um, God's greatest gift to any of us is, is not a spiritual power or insight. God's greatest gift to any of us is the salvation of our souls. If you never are used in a gift, but you're saved, I promise you that's the greatest gift uh, that God gives any of us. And uh, when we are given spiritual gifts or God uses us in a spiritual arena, it is just a gift on top of the greatest gift. And the greatest gift is the work of Jesus Christ at Calvary that enables a wretch like me <laughs> to be uh, saved and to find, find salvation. And so uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul is giving instructions regarding the use of uh, one of the gifts of the Spirit. And if you read the list, it's number eight in the list. Um, and it also is uh, referring to the ninth, which is the interpretation of tongues. So real quick, let's talk about tongues, what it is, and so we'll understand it in the various manifestations of spiritual tongues throughout the life of a believer and in the culture of a, of a local church. So initially, tongues was an Old Testament sign, a promised Old Testament sign of how God would speak to people and through people. We'll talk more about that in a moment. On the day of Pentecost, however, tongues is a gift that represents a profound change in how God interacts with humanity. He's no longer separated. He's no longer isolated, but he will take up residence in the same manner that he took up residence in the temple um, and fire came down and the priests could not speak. They could not minister because they were so caught up in the emotional experience of that moment where they are in all they are. They are kind of beyond their rational experience where they're in control. And so uh, so it is in the New Testament, this new temple is inhabited by the Lord and tongues is a sign of that. And that's the image, that's the whole spiritual image of the fire, uh, the cloven tongues that uh, did not appear every time uh, the temple was used in worship, um, but it appeared the first time. And so it was at the giving of the Holy Spirit uh, that sign was given, but every time the temple was used, there was not this sign of a cloven, cloven tongues. So as we grow in grace, as we grow in faith, after we've repented of our sins, after we have fulfilled that beautiful act of God's generosity where he gives us his name, we are no longer orphans. We are adopted. We are given his name. We call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, after we do that, uh, there is opportunity in your life to be so caught up in the mind of the Spirit where you, like the testimonies of the Bible, are unable to express what you're feeling, and it comes out as a tongue. It comes out as a manifestation of your surrender and you're speaking forth of an indefinable experience that is happening on the inside of you. Uh, in, in, in a simple way, it's as though I don't know how to put this into words, but I am being blown away <laughs> by what I am, what I am experiencing. So, uh, as that as an introduction, uh, I just want to remind you that tongues is a sign. It is a sign and we need to understand it as a sign. Um, we have to be careful 
careful telling people they don't have the Spirit of the Lord uh, with them or upon them because they haven't yet spoken in tongues. Um, I understand what people mean when they try to say that, but they're speaking beyond the Scripture. Um, and they should let that be something that God holds in, in His hand, not something whereby you approve or disapprove of other people's experience with God. Um, I've never seen that help. However, that said, uh, as a church that strives to be based upon the book of Acts as the right path for the church, we want everyone to receive everything God has for them. God has gifts for all of us. So we want every one of you to have the tremendous soul-changing experience of God's presence upon you, his unction within you, and his transform transformative power expressed in your life. So tongues can be a sign of surrender to the Holy Spirit. This is important. This is what happens when we first have that personal testimony of the Holy Spirit speaking through us. Um, it is not possession in the sense of demonic possession, uh, a, demon a, a demonic uh, possession. Um, again, this this also is the realm of the spirit and there, therefore we see imperfectly. We see through a glass darkly. Um, but that is where people lose their control. And, and you'll see in the Bible, the images of this where a demon harms someone, uh, casts them into the fire, <laughs> uh, causes them to cut themselves. Um, this is possession where you lose your will. That's not what the Holy Spirit is doing to you. It's not possession, it's submission. It is an invitation within your spirit. It is as though God stands at the door and knocks. And if you want to turn off your logical, critical mind, you would have an opportunity. You truly would have an opportunity to speak forth a language that is beyond your understanding. It is an experience beyond your comprehension. So uh, tongues in the life of a believer, uh, one of the things it is, is a sign of surrender to the Spirit. Uh, it is also testimony to the believer that they are not alone. You'll notice a tremendous change in confidence that the um, men and women in the upper room have. Um, that's not their first experience of hearing, listening, talking, thinking about the Holy Spirit. They have had Christ with them. He has told them he only speaks the words that are given to him by God. They, they have already seen a manifestation of a dove uh, over him. He's breathed upon them and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. We are not trying to remove any of their exposure to the Holy Spirit in their story, but this is their personal transformation. This is that sign to them that God is living within them. So it is a sign of surrender to the Spirit. It's also a sign of the presence of God uh, to the believer. It also can be, tongues can be a very deep vocalization of spiritual groaning, yes. Um, it is a spiritual concept to see that the creation recognizes it's not in its proper creative order. Um, and it groans in anticipation of that day when the level path or the crooked path will be made straight. The uneven path will be made, made level. There will be a correction to divine order and creative intent. Uh, and on that day, uh, there will be a great as it were, uh, correcting of the wrong uh, that is in the human story. Uh, this is very much a biblical idea that I think all of us should try, try to understand and be comfortable talking about. Tongues can be the vocalization of deep spiritual 
groaning. I would say the most common way we would be exposed to that is oftentimes when the Spirit's moving in a service. There can be a time when the Spirit of the Lord is, 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 is deeply convicting, challenging, correcting us. And you will hear people in the service uh, who speak in tongues at that time. Many times... Uh, Many times an, an interpretation is not given. Um, sometimes um, a spiritual leader, a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist um, may not acknowledge it because they don't think it is what the service needs. Now, remember, they're not trying to be more spiritual than anybody. They're observing who is in the service. It's a different thing. And so a lot of times a pastor, you all have seen this happen, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, there will be tongues, but they will keep on going. Um, and the first thing you always should understand yourself is they're seeing the congregation differently than you are. And they have already begun to connect with people spiritually. And uh, they are in many times uh, queuing off people. Uh, yes, there's a word there. Yes, there is a deep spiritual groaning there. Yes, there's a passion that cannot be placed in words, but that evangelist, that uh, pastor, that teacher, um, is not trying to kill the spirit. Uh, they're not trying to be less spiritual or more spiritual. Don't, don't, don't be simple. Don't be spiritually immature. What they're doing is they have already begun to connect with the people that they are bringing word to and they are queuing off the people. <clears throat> You'll notice the people who have that deep groaning upon them. Um, they, they're very saved. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're very prayed through. Um, they can have the same type of a move upon them and then be alone. There'd be no interpretation there for anyone else, you see. Um, so that is used in a service by by the spirit and by spiritual leadership to cue off the needs. We'll talk more about that in just in just a moment. So to review this, uh, tongues can be a, a vocalization of deep spiritual groaning. And most commonly, it would be tongues in a service where conviction is deep, but there is not an interpretation given or the spiritual leadership in that moment um, is queuing off something in the audience and perhaps not making room for it at that particular moment. Let me just say this. If, if, if you can't, if you can't, uh, accept that, um, and you get mad at the person, the, the, the evangelist, the teacher, the preacher, if, if you get mad at them and you say within your spirit, how can they do that? Well, what that says is you're not really pastored because you're sitting in criticism of them. A pastoring is trusting someone. Um, and if you can't trust uh, that pastor, you need to find a pastor you can trust. Uh, not because <laughs> it's not about personal feelings. <laughs> you need a pastor. I need a pastor. I need a voice of correction in my life. I need to join my heart to a vision. And even if it wouldn't be the way I did it, I hear people all the time. I have, I've had pastors in my life, mentors in my life. They don't have church the way I do. They don't preach the way I do. But when they have a directive for me, I, I can receive it because I deeply buy in and trust their anointing, their gifts, their vision. They don't have to do it just like I would do it. Um, and so uh, that is um, the second thing. First, sign, tongues can be a sign of surrender to the Holy Spirit. Uh, it can be a testimony for the individual believer. Um, it also is this vocalization of deep spiritual groaning. Uh, next, um, tongues can be the vocalization of a spiritual word to a believer. This is tongues with an interpretation where a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom is uh, manifest and delivered. And finally, uh, Tongues can be uh, prayer language. Now, I don't say that like some type of a secret code. That's that's not. It is an acknowledgement that I don't know how to pray. 
I feel more than I can say. I have more spiritual exposure to the problem than I have linguistic language ability to define the problem. And therefore, the Spirit knows how I should pray. And I pray in <clears throat> in the Spirit. We call this spiritual intercession. And so, let me just uh, go back to Paul. So, now tongues is one of the most prominent and the most exotic of the spiritual gifts. Um, a lot of spiritual gifts happen in uh, mentoring relationships. I would say 90% of the spiritual gifts that I have ever been so blessed to have the Lord manifest through me. And I usually would not know it at the time. I look back and see how God used me. Um, I would say 90%, if not more, did not happen in a public forum. They did not happen in front of people. They happened in an altar time. It happened when I'm praying for someone in a pew. It happens when I talk to someone on the phone. It happens when I send somebody a message during the week because of a unction in my heart. And so it is with all the pastors in our church. Their, their greatest spiritual work is not done in a way where you can exalt them. Um, and that's why it's so silly of us to try to have um, opinions about who's more spiritual than the other person. If you're caught up in that, I just want to suggest, suggest there's a very good possible that you wouldn't know, even if they told you, because your immaturity is being manifest by trying to have this kind of report card of who's spiritual, spiritual enough. Um, some of the greatest moves of the spirit do not happen in the public forum. However, tongues and its interpretation is, you know, prominent and exotic a little bit. And a lot of people wanted to do this in the Corinthian church and um, it wasn't all wrong, but an unbalance, an imbalance was created in that church. And so Paul decided to take a, a strong step um, and actually create a simple to follow guide um, uh, for the people. Um, the pastors, uh, church builders, uh, apostles don't do that first. <laughs> they don't. They're trying to, Paul's trying to relate to as many people as he can. When he's with the Greeks, he preaches like he's from Greece, do you see? When he's with the Romans, he preaches like he's from Rome. Um, he's not really from either place. He's from Tarsus. And so uh, for him to make a rule is for him to really be afraid that more harm is being done than good. The church there is challenged to accept what he says in spite of many of them not liking it. I mean, they're over here in the corner. Well, I haven't been able to give interpretation lately and no one gave me the microphone. And, I, and Paul's saying, enough already, stop. And at that moment, they have to decide whether or not Paul is an apostle to them, whether or not Paul is a pastor to them, or whether or not they know better than Paul. Um, that's really the moment where all of us uh, find ourselves uh, dealing with people who are trying to mentor us and grow us in in God. Paul, I don't want to get too much into the specifics for their situation, but one of them was like, look, no more than two or three times a service should this happen. And he's still being pretty generous because if you have an outsider there and two to three times in one service, something happened that just is holy moly. He's still being very generous. Uh, with him. He's not trying to just, you know, shut them down. I'll never forget when I was a, a young Bible student, I was in a service where um, that rule was broken and four, maybe five times tongues were given. And I immediately closed my heart to the spirit because I was so sure there was three times, brother, my God, I'm telling you, they're missing it. And I was so, I was so, I was at that moment, I was so critical, um, mainly because I was a kid, a kid and kids, it's not just me. Kids hate hypocrisy. They hate it. That's why if you're revealing hypocrisy to your kids, they're going to reject 
your version of faith because they hate it. Um, it just feels wrong to them. It feels like that their society is playing a joke on them. Um, and so I was a kid and I hated that. And I wanted to, I was too judgmental. Um, and I was surprised because the pastor at that moment, um, who was a great man of faith, done in a, just a stunning work for the Lord. Um, he, he didn't fix it there. He let it happen. He fixed it later. And we asked him about it when he came and taught our uh, pastoral teaching class. And, and, and he talked about that. Um, Paul's trying to create a healthy venue for the, the move of the Spirit in Corinth. He doesn't create this rule anywhere else. It's in Corinth. Now, we all profit from using it as a guide. No more than that, you see. But the, the point here is not for Paul to create this the point is that in Corinth, they have a problem. There's also churches in Athens, but Paul never corrects them. <laughs> Not with that. Do you see? Um, because he is, he is, um, he's, he's reacting to the needs of a time and a place. And so that's what we all of us do. Um, I can't organize my church, uh, organize our church, organize my preaching, organize my teaching where it works best for people who grew up in the fifties. Um, or grew up in the 80s, I have to consider the whole of the congregation. And um, I'll be honest with you, I, I usually feel like I get that more wrong than right. But I have to pray about it. I have to agonize over it. I have to carry it in my heart. Paul was talking to Corinth. Corinth has the problem. Uh, and so all of us seek for the effective use of spiritual gifts where we are planted, where God is using us. Uh, and so if there is um, tongues, um, first of all, there should be a limit, a hard stop on how much it, it happens. We're going to create a very generous hard stop. Paul's basically saying, I mean, two or three times in one service for that's a lot. Um, and second of all, that's not what you should seek. You should seek to be able to help people. Why do I say that? Um, Paul says, look, you should desire to prophesy. Prophesy is the same thing. It's a word from the Lord. But it's not given through an interpreter. Um, it is a word to a person. And it is most powerful when it happens in an individual's personal life and testimony, not when it is publicized in like a camp meeting or conference setting. Almost every time it is publicized, it risks glorifying the man. And people leave talking about how spiritual and powerful he is. My God, he, you know, and then we fall into this, this idolatry of, you know, I, <laughs> I don't want this child to pray for me. I want that preacher, that big time preacher who had, it's a risk there. Um, but what Paul's saying is, look, spiritual gifts are most valuable. When they help somebody, you give them a word. It's practical. It is a word of prophecy in their life. It's not mysterious. And uh, so tongues, uh, we talked about the signs of it. We talked about some of the limits that Paul uh, placed upon it, that um, you shouldn't just give tongues if there's not an interpretation. Um, there should be a hard stop on how much it happens. And uh, lastly, um, uh, what we should seek for is the is using spiritual gifts practically to help people. That's why prophecy matters more than just mysterious tongues. Um, not not a, not in the sense that it's more valuable, but it's more helpful. I think I think I think that would be a, a fair assessment to Paul. And I think that um, uh, yes. All right. So so tongues. Uh, in spite of the mystery, people can ask themselves, "What good is it?" And uh, I want to show it to you first in the scripture, 800 years before the day of Pentecost. 
prophecy is given through Isaiah and a spiritual principle is established of how God is going to work with his people, how he's going to reveal himself, how he's going to communicate. And it is this, Isaiah 28 and 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he, God, will speak to his people. Uh, this is a principle. And so that's the earliest prophetic mention of modern uh, Book of Acts, uh, apostolic, Pentecostal, whatever you want to call it, um, style. Uh, the last commandment Jesus gave his disciples that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. Uh, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. So uh, this is not just something that, you know, excitable, emotional believers had dreamt up. Uh, it's not something that you should be afraid of if you are maybe not a demonstrable person. Uh, maybe I can talk about that in a little bit more in a moment. First Corinthians 14 and 4, Paul's explaining the limits of tongues. For he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Um, this word edifies a churchy word. It means to build up, to comfort, to encourage, to give strength. Basically, that's what all of us want. We go to the house of God. We want to be built up and comforted and encouraged and given strength. Uh, Paul continues, he that, uh, actually, I'm doing it in reverse order of the scriptures if you're following this in 1 Corinthians 14. Um, so I read verse 4 first, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies itself. Um, and I am now referring to verse number 2. Uh, right before it, for he who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto man, but unto God. T teaches us that tongues as a prayer language is a path of spiritual intercession. Um, we do not know how to pray, but the Spirit speaks uh, through us. Tongues can be a miraculous testimony. I mentioned that early. Let me give you scripture, Acts 2 and 11. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Uh, it also is a praying in the spirit. Uh, Jude, verse number 20, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul will continue back to 1 Corinthians 14. Now I'm at verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. Um, one spirit praying um, in some ways is the highest form of surrendered prayer. Um, there is a risk that we get in the habit of it and our spirit is less moved and our mind is drifting while we kind of say a collection of vowels and consonants that um, is really about religious habit, not about spiritual uh, spiritual unction. Um, if you are a young believer, don't worry about that. Um, this would only apply to somebody who spent a long time praying in tongues. Um, I only say it because I have times have been convicted in my life that uh, I would, I would in some way uh, just have a habit of it and not be in the unction of the spirit. So that's just a warning to those who have served God many times. As you heard, my doorbell rang. I'll get it in just a moment. Um, so 
Lastly, uh, we see the fulfillment of the prophet, the, the promise in the book of Acts, Acts chapter number two, verse number 17 and 18. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days my spirit and they shall prophesy. Like the apostle Paul, I love to be moved on by my spirit and to pray in tongues. I do. Um, if you're a new believer, I want you to have this experience in your life, not simply praying in tongues, but that initial submission to the spirit where you're able to speak out uh, in surrender, uh, a heavenly tongue that is a testimony of God's promise. 800 years before the day of Pentecost, fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. It's natural to have more questions about it. Uh, I would encourage you to connect with the pastoral team. Let them talk to you. Your personality is gonna be different. I can't tell you to turn on praise and worship music and pace back and forth in the prayer room. That works for some people. I need to connect with you. Uh, you need to connect with the pastoral staff. We wanna see whosoever will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in their life and be changed by the testimony of it. Let's pray for it. Lord, would you let your spirit be poured out upon all of us? Would you let it be manifest in our lives, our values, our ethics? Let it be manifest in our praise. Let it be manifest in our prayer. Let our church be a place where the Holy Spirit manifests as testimony of your great work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us. Thank you.